Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Not Another Whiskey Podcast, the show where the hosts are slower than the process of maturation. This is your captain, Nicholas Polacki speaking, and I am joined in the cockpit, as always, by the talented Mr. Mitch Bouchard. Mitch, how the hell are you, sir? Good, buddy. Yourself a captain now, are you? You like Captain Pugwash? Mm. <laughs> Somebody's got to be flying that ship and it don't look like you right now. <laughs> well, if, if you're Captain Pugwash, I'm definitely Seaman Staines. That, but dude, that was actually a character. They got away I with know. that. Uh, Brutal, I know. right? I mean, we're showing our age there, the fact that we know that. Like I said, Mitch, you are a, you're a legend of your of your whiskey generation because most of your generation died in World War One. So you showed your age already. <laughs> legend in my own mind. Um, yeah. yeah, man. Oh, good over here. Uh, just been chilling out, kind of Easter over here and had the wee one up from Edinburgh. So she's been hanging out here. Had a nice picnic by the Spey. Uh, nice. met, yeah, just outside of McAllen, actually. That was kind of cool. Met up with quite a few few friends over in Speyside. Um, yeah, and then, oh, I went on a massive cycle. I think I, I showed you that. So we did the whole Murray Triangle, which consisted of the Speyside Way, then the Murray Coast, and then down the Dava Way. And it was over 100 miles in two days, plus we wild camped. So that was pretty uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, man. Thanks, what about you? What have you been up to? Honestly, I've been traveling a little bit. I was out in Illinois. Um, I keep getting uh, my sister, Angie, is living in Barcelona and she's been listening to the podcast and keeps sending me pictures of all the different drams that she's drinking. <laughs> so good nice. to see the, yeah, we've converted one heart and mind. I mean, a family member. So if you can't get your own family to listen, then you've got struggles to be had, which reminds me, my brother, David, still isn't listening. So <laughs> say, David, get, get it together, David. We've got yeah. one job to do. Show me a little support. No, no, get your ears around this. What's wrong with you, man? Yeah, but my sister Angie's cracking through some brilliant drams, you know, a bit of Auchentoshin and a few other kind of things like that. So it's quite nice to see her uh, kind of uh, flexing her whiskey muscles as nice. well as other things. She's a yoga instructor, so flexing her whiskey muscles is, is, is the least of her muscles that she's flexing. But yeah, so good to catch up with them. And outside of that, you know, I'm just back in the road slinging shibui. You know, out there drinking drams and, and having a good time. Yeah, dude, you've been doing a lot of that, eh? It's like you've gone uh, back to your old brand ambassador days there. A little bit. I mean, I'm all over the place at the moment. You know, we've got four distilleries in Japan that we're we're doing a ton of stuff with. We've got some new releases coming in. We actually, we did some really exciting news. We cleaned up the International Wines and Spirits competition, uh, just released their uh, results and awards. And our Shibuya Pure Malt 10-year-old picked up 96 points which was the highest scoring japanese whiskey in the entire category one of only two whiskies to pick up 96 points which was really good and then we had two limited editions that we released this year called no karibi kara which is our lightly peated whiskies and they both picked up so we had a non-age statement and our 10 year old both lifted a uh, 94 point scores as well so we're really excited and there's you know a lot of good stuff happening but there's some great whiskies you know like i always tell people we're in great company so you know, there's a, the the quality of whiskey overall is really really improving, and it's good to good to be part of that conversation. You know, nice mate. Well, congratulations on that, and congratulations on the shameless plug as well. Thanks very much, as always. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, right. I'm I'm having a I'm having a good week, so like, it's a, no complaints, you know, and stuff like that falls in your lap. It's always nice to nice to take the win. Right, let's get into this jam-packed episode, mate, because we've got a load to get through today. Sure um, but b before we do, I wanted to uh, give a shout out to our friends at King's Barnes. Um, 
they sent through, it was a couple of weeks ago now, actually, and I've just managed to get around to it, you know, because as you know, Nicholas, I do get a lot of whiskey sent to me for the podcast because oh, yeah. yeah. it's easy, easier to send it to me than you. Um, but Kings Barnes, amazingly, they sent me, well, first off, a full bottle of their Ducat. Uh, as you guys probably know, listening, Kings Barnes, great little craft distillery down in the lowlands of Scotland, owned by the Weems family. Uh, I've visited there several times before, and they do an amazing job. And this Duca is ex-bourbon barrels and STR barriques that it's been aged in. I have not opened it yet, but the even more amazing thing, Nicholas, that they sent, not only is they, did they send this amazing bottle, but this not another whiskey hip flask, which is actually branded with Kings Barnes and not another whiskey podcast, which is very cool. So Wait, is this our merch deal? Is this, yeah, is this well, <laughs> I didn't know they were going to, I knew they were going to send the bottle, but I had no idea they were going to send that amazing um, hip flask. So to all the other brands listening right now, you, the game has just been upped big time. <laughs> <laughs> well done Kings Barnes. That's amazing. I'm going to crack this bottle and I'm going to talk about it in the next episode when we, when we sit down. So, We'll have some uh, we'll have some taste notes and we'll, we'll we'll chat about that a little bit. Um, but well, well, wait a minute. So we can't just have you, Mitch, always be get, reaching out and be like, just so you know, if you want to send something locally, that just just to be clear, then for for all our US listeners, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the Cadillac Escalade. So if anybody wants to deliver one of those off to my front door at any point, <laughs> there you go. Jeez. Nice, mate. Hey, you don't ask, you don't get, right? Um, <laughs> Correct. Well, look, look, as I said, we've got a lot, lot to get through. We're going to hear from the Global Glenfiddich Ambassador, Struan Grant-Ralph, on the new Glenfiddich Yozakura release. Uh, we've got a load of questions and comments from you guys that we've had sent through from Instagram. And by the way, if you aren't following us yet on Instagram, please do so. Not another whiskey podcast. Get on there right now. Hit that follow button. Give us a follow but I thought, first off, Nicholas, what we're going to do is get straight into the news because there is a load of news going on right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to start with our friends at Brown Foreman. They've been super busy with two releases. Yeah. Uh, firstly, uh, Glenn Glasgow, 46-year-old. Now, Nicholas, good news for you here, actually, talking about what whiskeys you can get in the U.S. because you can only buy this in the U.S. at a bargain price of $4,800. Mm. Now, Rachel Barry, their legend uh, master blender, talks about this having sweeter undertones in the malt due to the result of the unique microflora in the surrounding area as it spent its entire life maturing on site at this coastal distillery. Very well done, Rachel. Whenever you want to send a little sample over, this was one that's in the United States, so no delay necessary. Actually, <laughs> funnily enough, in 2015, I got a cask sample of this before Brown Foreman had taken over the distillery. So I actually have tried this liquid, but not at 46 years old. I tasted it, uh, you know, obviously eight years ago, uh, and it was spectacular then. So I'm looking forward to, to doing a comparing contrast. And actually, nice. true to form, I even showed Mitch earlier, I actually have the cask sample, still a little bit left in the bottle. Didn't completely finish it. Uh, but wonderful, wonderful whiskey. Brown Foreman have also released some new Glendronachs as the distillery approaches its 200th anniversary, two new limited editions honoring distillery craft. So cask bottling batch 19, spanning 12 expressions and cask strength batch 10. Now the Glendronach cask strength batch 10 is bottled at 58.6% ABV. So it's a big boy juice. And like all Glendronach expressions is natural color. 
It's available from selected retailers worldwide at £77, so about 95 bucks, give or take. And the Glendronic cast bottling batch 19 bottlings vary in strength from 50.7% uh, to 57.89% uh, ABV and are retailing anywhere from £545, so what's that, about 630 bucks to £1,037. Jeez, they're really making me work for these numbers into dollars, but what's that, about 1200 <laughs> give or take, depending on age, which ranges from 28 years to 31-year-old. And the Glendronach Distillery's Visitor Centre is the only place in the world where all 12 batch 19 bottles will be available to purchase by the bottle or dram. So that's pretty exciting stuff. And a great reason for you to get on a plane, train, uh, get in your automobile, get in your bicycle, get in your pogo stick, however you have to do it, and get to the Glendronic Distillery Visitor Centre. And for me, that's great news because I'm up there all the time and it's only 30 minutes away from me. So I look Not forward to sure. having a wee dram of a few of them next time I'm up. Um, up. But if you've been living on a desert island over the last couple of weeks, then you'd be forgiven to not have seen the new release of Glenfiddich as it's been absolutely everywhere. So this is an exclusive part of the Grand series that draws a heavy influence from Japan. Actually, something that we're going to talk about on the show very soon. We're going to dedicate a whole episode uh, to this. Uh, not this Glenfiddich expression, but the fact that how Japan has influenced whiskey around the world. So I had my good friend and global brand ambassador, Struan Grant Ralph, round to the hoose, and he gave me a wee sip of it. And this is what we had to say during that discussion. All right, Struan, welcome to the show, man. Um, kind of to set the scene for everyone listening, we're down in Copperbrook in the house. You've just finished up at Glenfiddich for the day, and you swung by and brought some fantastic whiskey, man. It didn't take us long to pour something nice in a glass, let's put it that way. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be on. It only took you two years <clears throat> to invite me on, but uh, I've been listening and enjoying your podcast, so well done on that. I'm sure everyone, uh, I'm sure everyone can agree, and uh, yeah, it's good to see you, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, man, it's great. I mean, Stuart and I go back, how long now? It must be at least 12 years? Fucking too long. Maybe, uh, maybe more? Yeah. <laughs> you... So I infamously did my induction to the Ambassador World on the West Coast when you were based over there. But I guess we would have met first time up in Speyside back in 2011. So yeah, 12 years. I reckon it was before that. It was a party where um, oh. it was you and Fraser were at it and it was like Mike Aikman and Steve and all those guys were there. If you're going back that far, then that's in the mists of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Way back in thankfully, the day. Thankfully, that was pre-social media given the nature of that party. <laughs> so you basically travel around the world now as the global ambassador for Glenfiddich. How's uh, post-COVID been? It's been great, yeah. I mean, uh, I became a dad, so the the desire to stay at home, I suppose, is much greater and balance your travel. I think in our heyday, we were proper road warriors, I mean, you and I and a lot of other people that do these jobs go on the road, Love being in the markets, talking about whiskey, whiskey shows, talking to retailers on trade. Now, I thankfully can balance that with being in the brand home. So obviously I live I live in Speyside like you do. And I'm a bit more selective on when I travel. So nice. for the bigger launches or for supporting markets where we're not represented. And yeah, it's maybe yeah a lot less time on the road and a lot more time here in the heart of Speyside, which is lovely. 
Yeah, it's fantastic, mate. Fantastic. And I think, you know, it's Glenfiddich is obviously, obviously still very close to my heart after spending 10 years with them. It's still an amazing position, I think, being a Glenfiddich ambassador for them because you have so many exciting releases that are coming out. I mean, you just had Orchard. We're going to get onto this new 29-year-old in just a second, but it's still it's still pretty fresh, right, when you, you have all these experiments that Brian's playing about with. Just for anyone at home, Mitch has a small tear uh, in his eye right now talking about Glenfest. <laughs> it's not nice. To, I'm glad. I'm glad that we've got some whiskey on hand. But uh, yeah, I think you know it's probably quite rare in this day and age for people to spend as long as you know you did that I have with one brand and not and not move on and not um, maybe try something new. But I think Glenfiddich continues to evolve to do interesting things. You can be working on something like Orchard which I was involved in, which was a really nice project with Temperley family down in Somerset, working with their Pomona and some really interesting casks and a proper partnership with a really nice family to, yeah, on the under end of the scale, price scale, um, something like Gran Yozakura, which we launched last week, um, which is a 29-year-old, yeah, interesting cask, which we're going to get into. So, yeah, there is enough. Glenfiddich is big enough. It innovates, you know, it doesn't really stand still. So... I feel like, yeah, there's loads there to keep myself and, you know, we have a big team that are still good friends of yours, keep us all really interested and keep us out of trouble. Absolutely. Before we get into this, let's. so this is part of the Grand Range that you look after with Glenfiddich. Let's chat through the Grand Range really quickly before we get on to, to this new one here. So 21-year-old, let's go with that, Grand Reserva. Yeah, the longest standing of the Grand uh, Range. It has its, um, it's had its odyssey, I suppose, in... Um, a Cuban, a Cuban cast back in the day. It was Havana Reserva. Very storied release. It's always been the sort of peak of the Glenfiddich core range. Now the start of the Grand Range. If you're sitting down to nose and taste it, it's all desserty, tropical, panna cotta, coconut, lovely. Do not make a daiquiri with it. I know some people advocate <laughs> for that, but those people are mad. They're, they're, they're just idiots that live over in California. Paradise. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so then moving on from that, you uh, well, I mean, the Grand Cru was an interesting one. I was just involved in that before I left. Yeah, has that been going? An- yeah, another another adventure in casks. I suppose it's not a cask that's used very often. Cuvee casks used in the early stages of a particular type of wine uh, creation, sort of fermentation, fermentation, sorry, resting phase. We get these casks and. Yeah, in- interestingly, when you use them as a sort of first fill finish, they can almost overpower a whiskey, almost uh, to a drying point, almost acidic. So we actually use a second fill finish, as in the casks have been used twice. You then vat that, and the resulting Grand Cru is, yeah, just a very vibrant, lively... It was a whiskey made for celebrating, which we launched in 2019, so there was <laughs> pretty bad timing on that <laughs> on that front, given what happened over the following years, but... I love the way that whiskey has been kind of embraced now. Um, it's, a, it's a really great whiskey to receive as a gift, hint, hint. Um, <laughs> and also just, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really nice dram. Classic Glenfiddich, the Cuvée cast just sort of elevates it. And then the 26, obviously, Grand Caron. That was my last ambassador trip, which was fun. Remember, you, you organised that, we went over to France, which was a, quite a cool little escapade, I suppose. Cognac, yeah, that was lovely. Yeah. And uh, I suppose so much of Grand Range is about the meeting of two worlds. So in this case, it's Cognac and single malt scotch. Uh, 26-year-old Grand Caron. 
yeah, it, it, it's a crowning, crowning glory. I mean, Kuron means crown. That's a that's a really kind of rich, unctuous, kind of sweet rap. If someone says to you, 26-year-old Glenfiddich finished in cognac cast, it tastes exactly like it should. It's really big bowl. I know you like a cigar. It's, it definitely yeah. holds up really nicely with a cigar. And yeah, we also have Grand Cortez, which maybe isn't in front of you now, but this Grand Cortez is a sherry finish, Asia exclusive. Got it. I was just thinking back to that um, that France trip. I think the funniest thing that happened was flaring with that bottle of Snow Phoenix in Mark Thompson's room, mm-hmm. and it smashed all over the place. I I don't remember it being funny at the time. <laughs> uh, you know when people say like Snow Phoenix is a very scarce whiskey. Well, there's a reason for that because Mitch has been dropping them on <laughs> hotel room floors. But uh, yeah, I mean. I, th- I feel like we learned a lot. We saw like a lot of like we saw very big distilling houses. We saw smaller cognac producers, Armagnac. We met Mark Thompson's uh, father. Do you remember the Silver Fox? <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it was it was that was a great that was a great 2019 trip. Let's talk about this new 29 year old, which is just hot off the press as we record this. Not sure when we're going to put this out, but I mean, this is a week old, if that now. Yeah. Um, it's been out in the market for a week. It's all, I mean, you know, when, when you work on projects like this, it's been in the making for, well, not 29 years, but, you know, a relatively long time. It's been, it's been great to see the uptake on this. I think we've been quite disruptive with the way this whiskey is packaged and the way that it's been brought to life. You're talking about Japan's influence on Scotch whiskey. Definitely see it if, you know, if guys listening, if you haven't seen the pack or, or some of the accompanying like content on this, it's really stunning taking inspiration from hanami which is obviously the great japanese tradition of watching the blossoms um and celebrating that and uh yeah it's just a it's another really knockout whiskey in the grand range and let's let's talk about the name of it so why was that name picked so sakura is the cherry blossoms and yozakura is the cherry blossoms at night Ah, okay so yeah yozakura is a very kind of um, it's a, it's very symbolic in terms of celebrating new life. And, you know, most of us right now, as we are in Speyside right now, are kind of enjoying the start of spring, getting through winter, another winter for both of us, miraculously. Mm. And, yeah, in Japan, they really bring that to life with the arrival of the cherry blossom. So we're really inspired by that, both in the visual, on the pack, but also in the tasting notes. It's sort of serendipitous, I don't know, but you definitely get this wonderful kind of <clears throat> floral stone fruit i'm not going to say implicitly like cherry but you are managing to sort of manifest this wonderful kind of deep floral complex vibrant you know for a 29 year old uh whiskey and awamori casts are playing their role but you've also got the fact that this is 29 year old glenfiddich so it's already got loads of punch to it already so how did this all come about because i know i remember back in uh my day going into a couple of the warehouse and there was two um, there's newer casks. Are they still there? Was, was there any kind of connection to that? Yeah. To this or? It's, it's in the DNA of Glenfiddich, right? It's experimentation for the purpose purely of like, does this work and will it be something? It might might not have a release in mind. So with the Mizunara, we had a, we had a few yet in Warehouse 12, which we tasted back in the day. And as you'd expect, it's lovely. Um, this is something quite separate. So Awamori casks that we got were not Mizunara, so they're not Japanese oak, it's American oak. The 
yeah, the, the original cast come over. You know yourself when you talked, I know you've had Kelsey on the podcast. Um, we're fortunate to work with Brian Kinsman a lot as a, as a malt master and also just as a whiskey mentor, really. Mm-hmm. Whenever you ask him, like, oh, have you tried this mezcal? Have you tried this Pomona? Have you tried this whatever? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah we, we tried it. Maybe we'll do something with it. Yeah. He has like a wealth of casts to play with that I'm sure any whiskey maker would love to kind of get their hands on some of those like Glenfiddich warehouse keys because there's some crazy shit in there, right? Mm-hmm. There's some really like um, things you might not expect, including Awamori. Um, the, yeah, I guess the final stages of this are just a six month finish in cask. Awamori itself is distilled to quite a low strength, so the casks are still quite active. And can you just explain what Amamori is? Because I know I had to look it up when I first saw it. So, yeah, uh, picture the worst hangover you've ever had, which might have been with me in Las Vegas. <laughs> I'm not sure. Let's not go down that road. The Awamori is, think of it essentially as a distilled sake, but that's not doing it credit. You're taking specifically indica rice, so Thai, Thai rice, which goes into Okinawa. And Okinawa is the home of Awamori. Um, and they have, yeah, quite a rich culture of making this. Yeah, it's indica rice, natural fermentation using black koji. So black koji goes in and plays the role almost of like a heterogeneous enzyme. And then they introduce yeast, get it up to strength, distill it once. So if you, you know yourself, if you distill anything once, you're not really purifying it. It's left with quite a lot of character up to around like 45-46% ABV, and it's drunk like that. Um, We've had a few Awamori experts up to the distillery just to talk us through, you know, what we're dealing with here, and they're very passionate about it. It's very much rooted in Okinawan culture, which is a rich culture in its own right. And yes, with that said, it is a hefty, hefty scoop. Let's put it that way, if you you spend a night on on the Awamori. But we're not looking implicitly at Awamori. We're looking at Awamori's influence on cask, right? And on the quality of the cask. We already know, like, the sense of Japanese workmanship and attention to detail. That is what appeals when you're looking at Awamori cask rather than Awamori itself. So you're getting very good quality casks with a great story and a nice influence on flavour. And that, yeah, Got that's it. a full picture. And how did that story come around? I mean, was someone just drinking Awamori one day and was like, oh, we should try these casks or... Like, there's always something with Brian, right? The way it comes around. I remember Winter Storm was very much that ice wine story with Beth. And there's always, there seems to be a connection somewhere that Brian kind of links it to. Or was it just... Literally just the... Night? I think it's uh, <laughs> it's one of these ones where they're there and they're developing well. And actually, you track to um, George Patterson at the distillery, who I know is a, a pal of yours as Your well. Your big brother. Exactly, <laughs> much bigger. <laughs> um, he, he'll know... So he's the one to speak to. If a cask is suddenly getting sampled a lot or there's a lot of like, you know, Kelsey and Brian are maybe really interested in a particular range of casks, just thinking in terms of like the Cuvée cask when we launched Grand Cru, for example. Mm-hmm. He knew, okay, right, these must be coming up to fruition. These must be reaching that point of like, yeah, we can maybe bottle these. And with Awamori, it was the same. You know, we just literally had an experiment that was there bubbling away. And then, yeah, 2023 there's an opportunity to bottle it and to to i guess celebrate something that is rare you know it's only about 900 bottles Mm -hmm. um and 
to yeah to get the creative right and to package it in the in, in the correct way for you know twenty nine year old Glenfiddich's don't come along that often. I think we've only ever bottled one in the past, which was a Spirit of Nation bottling, mm. and um, yeah, it's just it's cool. It's just a really cool um, proposition. Not a cast that we've really seen before. I, you're nosing it right now. What do you What do you think? That's amazing. I want to go back to the DNA of it quickly, though. Did you say this is all American wood and then Amamori for six months? Is that right? So just yeah. So the D, the DNA is a good is a good question. Glenfiddich's DNA it works well in American oak, but there will normally be some European within a Glenfiddich vatting just to give it some body and to give it its true nature. So the majority of this is American oak with some European in the original twenty nine year old, and then finished in Awamori cast, which are American oak. I love it. I mean, I've been sitting here nosing it. I haven't actually tasted it yet, but this is so fresh. I think that's one of the things that I always get from Glenfiddich. It holds up so well over time. You still get, you can still tell that that's Glenfiddich. It's not been overcooked at all. Yeah. And I think like, you probably get asked quite a lot about, you know, Glenfiddich and Balvenie are only about 500 yards away from each other. What are the significant differences between the two distilleries? And I would say that on day one, when they're made, Balvenie is fruit, but fortified and in a cake. And Glenfiddich is fruit, but fresh off a tree. Mm -hmm. And then I think for that reason, that fresh fruit off the tree, that green grass, that kind of pear apple note, it evolves really nicely. So when you get Glenfiddichs around 30 years old, they, like you just said, like they hold up so well. They're very fresh. Mm -hmm. They almost manifest with this like tropical note. You know, those really estuary flavors from a long fermentation evolve really nicely in cask. And so like pound for pound, I think Balvenie drinks really, really well. I think really well young. So Doublewood, I think, is a great flagship whiskey and probably my favourite Balvenie. But I would say that once you get into the 30 and 40, I probably prefer an equivalent Glenfiddich because it's retained so much of that new make character, that distillery DNA and that freshness is there. So that's a longer answer than maybe you were looking for, but you were drinking. Sorry, mate, I can I can edit that. <laughs> um, no, I, I just took my first sip of that. And that is, it's... I mean, on the nose, I definitely get that floral note that you're talking about. But I mean, it's uh, it's a delicate finish. It's quite a light finish. It's quite zingy. But it's also a big mouthfeel to that. It holds. Yeah. That's lingering around for a long time. And I'm just thinking about waxy green apples. Yeah, yeah. And I know you have Brendan McCarran on your show every two weeks. <laughs> and he likes to talk about wax. <laughs> the wax master. The wax master. Um <laughs> Um, and the the waxiness in that has been pulled out of yeah as a function of age, but also Awamori's got real like fusel oils and mm. loads of funk has only been distilled once, right? So there's still a lot, you know, going on yeah. there. And you're getting really nice mouthfeel. You can see that oiliness in the glass, which I'm not always a huge advocate for swirling my whiskey in a glass and deciding what mouthfeel or character it's gonna have, but that certainly does have oiliness. And, and forty five point one as well. Forty five point one pretty punchy. Yeah, it has been chill filtered, but bottled at a slightly higher strength. And yeah, literally chill filtration for aesthetic reasons. Mm. Your, your dog is getting very bored of my chat, by the way. <laughs> the dog started snoring in the background. <laughs> Just when I was talking about chill filtration. <laughs> you should uh, be used to that now. What happens in most of your tastings, isn't it? A actually, bit, a little bit of snoring. There's two people here and one of them are sleeping, so that's not bad averages for me. <laughs> You're still awake. 
Brilliant. No, I love that. That's, I mean, thank you so much for bringing that down. Um, I know this is very limited and also very expensive. What are we talking? Uh, £1,500 on this? Ah, guy like you. I, uh, I bought two the other day when I was at the distillery. Yeah, 1500 Yeah. So, oh, on the one end, you know, it's a pretty hefty price tag, but super limited. It's a one and done, proper one and done. Um, when you see the pack, and we would, we had some... Uh, we had some folk into the distillery today walking out with two under each arm. So, I mean, it's nice. uh, there's some in the distillery shop, e-commerce, obviously. There's a ballot happening um, in the UK. And it's out there, yeah. It's launched across markets. So you'll find it in US. It's in the Far East as well. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Well, Struan, thank you so much for bringing it down, man. Great to see you. Great to hang out. Slange. Slange. Great chat, man. I really need to move back to Scotland to get some of the amazing, amazing drams that, that you seem to be getting. On that note, actually... Those Glenfiddich barrels, uh, the Awamori cask, came from our distillery, uh, uh, Masahiro, interestingly oh, really? enough. So that's, yeah, yeah, came from our Masahiro distillery. That's where we make uh, Shibui uh, 10-year-old white oak and our 15-year-old sherry cask. Just phenomenal distillery partner and just massive, like, great master blenders. Obviously, you know, the distilleries in Japan make multiple things, similar to the distilleries in Scotland that make gin and vodkas and other things like that. So Awamori is the the national drink of, of Okinawa, and almost all the distilleries have, have, made, have been, you know, started their lifespan over 600 years ago in some instances, kind of laying down Awamori rice spirit. So it's a very, very interesting to see and, and great to see that, that, that Glenfiddich have, have expanded into that. So moving away from new releases... Here's a story that caught our bloodshot, whiskey-soaked eyes this week, which was that a British con artist is being charged in the US for scamming £10.6 million from wealthy pensioners, telling them that he was a millionaire whiskey investor. So this is, a, again, probably a, 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 a warning note for all people out there. Just to, to be aware, this guy, Casey Alexander, preyed on over 150 American investors, basically telling people that he's the guy that was going to, you know, get them a ton of old stock and was, you know, was was laying down all these products and, and had access to, you know, multiple barrels of, of rare whiskeys. And it, it's reminiscent. And, and like I say, a genuine warning shot to everybody out there that, like, if, if you want to do your homework, if you want to get into whiskey investing, the, the reality of it is, is the, the best investment you can make is buying the whiskeys that you like the best. Uh, you know, that's, that's, I've, I've always said that to people, uh, you know, buy the brands because buying the barrels, you don't know what you're going to get out of it at the, at the, the finished, finished end of it. So I'm, I'm always a little wary of, of people that say they're mm -hmm. going to sell you those, those magic beans, but it's uh, interesting to see that, 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 that was a, a very, only 150 people coughing up over 10 million pounds, it's an outstanding amount of money to be raised on, on a, on a, on a mouthful of BS. And this guy's only 26. I mean, pretty amazing Wild. job. Aye, but, but, but like most con artists, that's the chat, right? So Is I that... watched one of his videos. I don't know if you looked up his website at all, but he's he had like a 10-minute a video, which I sat through. And honestly, to the untrained eye, you would think this guy is a bit of a whiskey expert. There was a couple of things in there that he kind of slipped up on, but yep. really like, you know, I picked it up. I, I'm not sure... How many people outside of the whiskey industry or sort of people that are whiskey geeks would have really picked it up? Um, but looking at that video, super well polished, um, really well sort of put together as well, you know. So I, I'm kind of not surprised he managed to to get that much money. Well, how much money did they get out of you? 
<laughs> I, I only went into t- for twenty eight thousand pounds, mate. You know, so I'm all right. That's fine. <laughs> no, but it's, I, I think it's an interesting um, topic for us to cover because I think what's what, what this is going to do. I mean, there's a lot of companies out there that are saying to invest in whiskey and saying to invest in casks. Now, yeah, I'm not going around saying that all of them are fraudulent, uh, but I think it may be come to light that that a lot of these investment companies are going to be pulled up for certain things as we go down the line on this. And and this is maybe just the tip of the iceberg here uh, with this guy, you know? Well, what I'd say is if you're not dealing directly with the distillery, if you're not dealing directly with a reputable broker who can show the relationships with the distilleries that they've procured the casks from, these companies, these investment stroke firms, avoid them like the plague. Mm. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're 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 worth the 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 effort and the energy. And if they can't show you uh, the 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 journey of how they've managed to put their hands in those barrels, I think that's a that's that's the starting place. But like I said, Mitch, you know, and I I do talk to people about whiskey investment. Buy the bottles that you like. You know, the brands are where the value is, and and you yeah. can see that in every whiskey index and every bottle auction. You know, these barrels that are trading hands. There's a lot of whiskey in those barrels for for you know, the millions of dollars. You can see that happen just on single bottles of the right brands. So it's really the brand bottlings where where the where the whiskies are rare and old, where the value really lies. Buying barrels, leave that up to the experts that know what's in a barrel uh, to begin with, because they're going to bottle the right whiskey to begin with, and not just choose a barrel because it's an old barrel. Right. So moving on, we need to mention the World Whiskey Awards. They've just been held at the end of March. And firstly, congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Mark Thompson, for picking up the Whiskey Ambassador of the Year Award. If you thought his head was massive before this, then be prepared (laughs) for it to get even bigger. Uh, He actually just left my house this morning. He was around for a cup of coffee this morning. So it was great to see him. Uh, Mark, congrats, mate. Nice work. Uh, But the other one I wanted to mention, and there's a load of awards that that we can probably go through here um, because there is various amounts of subjects that they cover, ranging from best distillery experience to best blend to be- best uh, you know overseas whiskey that's not Scotch whiskey. But the best single malt award went to Milk and Honey, which I think is unbelievable. I mean, I, you know, we've mentioned these guys on the show before, and I've always been really impressed with what they have been doing out in Israel. Um, so congrats to you guys. Really great to see you picking up that award. We need to get Shilton, their brand ambassador, on here soon to get a little insight, I think, into that liquid. What do you think, Nicholas? Get him, get him on board? Yeah, well, yep. Well, we've already reached out. So hopefully we're just looking to put a date in the calendar. So that will be happening very soon. So make sure you tune in for that episode, which will be coming up down the line. On that note, Mitch, like you and I, hopefully next year we'll be up for a whiskey communicator of the year from the world whiskey awards so we've got to got to make sure that we're everybody out there who's listening make sure that you're uh, championing that and and letting the people at world whiskey awards know who your favorite whiskey podcasters are hint hint and chris at whiskey magazine (laughs) we know you guys listen (laughs) there you go there you go (laughs) right so on to what you guys have been asking and slagging off uh, slagging us off rather on social media we put out a post on instagram well let me be clear mitch did as i'm about as useful as a button in a sock when it comes to that but here are <laughs> some things that you said or asked so i'm going to start with this one mitch which i thought was an absolute belter this comes from whiskey terry who i believe is your cousin-in-law mitch yeah and she simply just 
posted Mitch as a fanny, which is what a beautiful family you have. Right. Just... <laughs> is that a is that a question or is that just a statement of fact? I think that's I think that's probably a statement and, and probably fair, to be honest. So I, I I'll say that. Um yeah, I, oh, there, well, there was another one following up. Was that it? Just said, "How are you so great?" Oh no, wait a minute, that was me that wrote that. Just as a, <laughs> but we did get one from Fraser Campbell, who is also my partner in crime at Copper Cairn. Uh, he stated a fact for us. Said on a strict whiskey diet, you can easily lose between fifteen and twenty days. I think, I think I think we've done that before, Nicholas. Like I remember back in the California <laughs> days. I'm sure it was more like a month. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> I might butcher this gentleman's last name, so apologies up front from from our friends in Norway. But uh, Eric Latier says a huge shout out from Norway. Eric loves the podcast and the banter, so thanks very much for that, Eric. Eric also says I miss Daz, but I love it when he is the short end of your jokes, which is easily done because he was only four foot six, so he's always been in the short end of our jokes. And Eric, we can accommodate you there because on that, our good friend Colin Hart, as Glenn Turret asked, why is the podcast so much better without Daz? I mean, I think that's pretty obvious, right? I would hope so. Sorry, Daz. <laughs> nah, Daz is still in good form. I was chatting to him yesterday. And for oh, those yeah? that are that are interested, I don't think there's that many people, but he's doing really well in his new new job. Uh, all happy, all good. So he's coming up to Speyside to visit soon, or I'm going to go down to Edinburgh and visit him soon at one point. Um, but we were That's talking right. about getting him on. When you come over, Nicholas, we're talking about doing a, a Whiskey Live episode, which you, we've been chatting about and potentially getting him on the panel for it and yep. getting him to pour some tasty whiskeys of some of the Bowmore that he's looking after now, which would be nice. Fantastic. And by, uh, by us saying getting him in the panel, we mean be a waiter for the show, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Pour out the whiskeys for us. Correct. There you go. Right. So getting into more some more serious questions. Uh Henry Pritchard asked, which distillery have you yet to visit and what's top of your list? Oh, Ooh, that's a good question. That is a great question. Mitch, do you want to go for that one first? You know, I mean, if, if I'm gonna go Scotland, um there's there's a there's not that many to be honest that that's still on my hit list in Scotland. I've got to say, like, I think I've I've been lucky enough to tick off most of the big ones. However, there is a little one that's just opened up, uh, Rassi, and I'd love to go and see that. I haven't been over there yet, so yeah. I need to take that trip over there. And you know they've got um, a, a hotel actually attached to the distillery as well, which you can stay. So I'd I'd love to do that over in Scotland. And I think, you know, for me, uh, Japan is a place that I visited when I was three. You're not welcome. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Stop digging. <laughs> <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Nicholas. No, but I'd love to go to Japan and, and check out what they're doing and tick off a load of their distilleries over there. What about yourself? Absolutely. And joking aside, we'll get you over to Niigata and Tokanawa to see our distilleries at some point. Promise, promise, promise. Uh, from, that's a great question. And actually, similar to you, Mitch, I'm struggling to think of ones that I've been to or not rather than that, ones I've not been to. And, I, and I'm probably going to say, for me, it's it's more US-based distilleries that are on my doorstep that, you know, it's easy. And there'll be plenty of people in Scotland that will know this as well. Like the, there's distilleries that are on your doorstep that you should absolutely go and see. And it's easy to to have them on your doorstep and be like, oh, I'll get to them later. Go and see them now. They are they, they, they need your support. They want your visit. And and they want you to come and say hi and drink some of their drams. Uh, 
I'd like to, there's distilleries I'd like to go back to, I think, as well. Like, I, I loved being in, in, in Isla. Like, the, you know, I was lucky enough to get a you know, private one-to-one tour with John Campbell at Laphroaig, and obviously he's moved on to, to new things. But Laphroaig is just a great distillery. Ardbeg's a great distillery. Um, you know, even even here in the States, like, um, you know, going around Woodford, like I'd love mm. to go and do that again. Just it's a beautiful location and just just a great, great, great shop. And Old Forester as well is just another great, great spot to go and see and, and get around. And the, the juice is killer. So things like that. But yeah, great, great question, man. Yeah, yeah, like that one. Yep. So Words Over Whiskey asks, if we could have a dram with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Oof. I think that's a question we normally ask our guests. It is. That's been switched over to us. I like it. Touche. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've got one, and you're going to like this one, Nicholas, because I know you're a yep. fan of comedy. But one of my favorite comedians right now is a lady called Steph Toloff, and she's actually Canadian, and she's absolutely hilarious. Like, just dirty, dirty humor. Like, some of the stuff that comes out of her mouth, even I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe she said that. So I'd love to have a dram with her because I think she'd be hilarious to to sit down and and drink with. <laughs> uh, that's that's cool to hear. So a couple, I think for me, like dead, I think I'd love to have a, a dram with Mark Twain, who was a whiskey fan anyway. And yeah, I think that would be I think that would be a laugh uh, to sit down and, and pick that man's brains and and enjoy a dram. He had a, he had a very colourful life as well, so I think it'd be awesome to sit and, and do that. He might be a bit oh, smelly by now, though. Aye, I would hope. I think he was probably a bit smelly back then. With all the <laughs> all the vices that he had. I think he smoked like a chimney and and drank fairly whiskey almost on a daily daily basis. So as you can yeah. imagine, aye, exactly. Not all not all fun. But I was just trying to think of comedians or people that I'd want to or people that are around now. I mean, there's so many like uh, just great 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 folks out there. But yeah, but I'm going to stick on Mark Twain. The question was dead or alive. I'm going with mm. dead. All right. So then we had Ryan, who is the distillery manager at Eight Doors Distillery up at John O'Groats, said one for Eight Doors Distillery would be nice. Big listeners. Well, Ryan, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys listening up there all the way to John O'Groats. Um, yeah, I mean, it was funny that you say this, actually, and this came through because I was sitting with a good friend of mine, Scott, who owns the Craig Ellicke Lodge up here just yesterday. We're having a coffee and I think he's going up there to fill a cask up. And I was saying to him, oh, it'd be great to get those guys on the podcast. So yeah, give us a buzz. Let's get in contact. We want to know what you guys are doing up there. It's always cool to see what uh, the little craft distilleries in Scotland are doing and what kind of makes you guys different from from the rest of the, rest of the big players out there in Scotland. So Ryan, get in top contact, man. Let's uh, Let's do this. Anthony Jesselnik, there's another guy. I'd love to have it. You ever seen that talking about wild comedians, Mitch? You ever heard Anthony Jesselnik? No, I haven't. I need to look him up, Mitch. Look him up. He's got some stuff on Netflix, a couple of specials on Netflix. He is as dark as they come and one of the funniest human beings on the planet. So I would I would say he'd be my alive dram right now. Okay. Uh, you're, anyway, going, you're going back to that. I like that. You, you I know, am. Like, we passed it, that, it was haunting right? me. <laughs> <laughs> it was haunting me. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know who it isn't that shocking that I'd know who I'd rather have a, a, a drink with that's dead than who I'd rather have a drink with that's alive? <laughs> Wait, talk, talking about drinks, are you getting jealous right now? Look, oh, look at that. I'm holding look up a that. can of Iron Brew, which I know Nicholas kind of is hard to find in the US. So. No, I just don't drink stuff like that much. Look at you just, and your steady diet of Iron Brew and Watsits or whatever got, it is that you're cramming no, it's a deep, in your face. Deep, deep fried haggis, mate. That's in the background for afterwards. Like, 
I'm hitting the gym seven days a week and you want to know, come on, man, you look... Look at you. Aren't, aren't you so good? Well done. Round of applause, everyone, for Nicholas just, for hitting the just gym. A, just a minute to think about your health. Read a book. Just one <laughs> one second to think about what you're doing to your body right now. <laughs> Read a book. Has it got pictures? Because if it's not got pictures, I'm out. Fill <laughs> it in. Fill it in. Mitch, see when you go out to dinner with your wife, do they still bring that little colouring thing over with the crayons for you to keep you busy? <laughs> Sorry, mate. And the bib, you know, the catchy bib, I have to bring that out with me as well. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Well, this is a, a great one from Tam, also known as Moments Distilled on uh, Instagram. So you're out walking in the woods. I mean, this is like he's written War and Peace here, but you'll enjoy this one, Mitch. A belter. You're out walking in the woods and you come across a bottle of whiskey and you don't recognize the bottle shape and the label's dirty. When you wipe the label, a genie appears. It's Pishy McQuishy, the Scottish genie. He tells you that the the liquid in the whiskey bottle will be the best whiskey you'll ever have, and it's never ending. And once you take a sip, you'll never find another dram that will compare. And he tells you that you can have it, but you have to make a hard decision. You can have this unlimited perfect dram, but every time you take a drink, you'll either shite yourself, or every time you take a drink, you'll sweat uncontrollably from every pore in your body. What do you choose? I love that. Well done, Tam. I mean... The fact that you wrote that to us is amazing. And also a really twisted mind there. With Mitch's steady diet of iron brew in Watts's, he usually shites himself and sweats out of every pore uncontrollably regardless. Yes, yeah, so I'll take the so... drum. Guaranteed. That's a no-brainer for me, mate. He's like that. Two of my favourite things at once. Oh, <laughs> let me indulge. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Love that. All right, so... That was fun, man. Um, thank you for all those who took the time to write in for this episode. Great to have some feedback from all you folks, you know, listening. And and, and even though some of it was slander and I may, may have to get my lawyers involved. Um, <laughs> if you're still listening to us right now, you know, it means so much to us. If you hit that follow button on your preferred platform, whatever you're listening to us on right now, and give us a cheeky wee five-star rating. You know, we're planning to grow this show even more to more followers around the world this year. And every time you do that, it really, really helps us out. So we'd really appreciate that, guys. So that's it for this episode, which I think was an absolute belt. I really enjoyed that, that one. A, that was a fun. Um, next week, I went solo again. Oof. Sorry, Nicholas. Um, and that was a good one because I sit down with the legend that is Billy Walker. And we actually sat down in his office at Glenallachy and just he some of the stuff he said was unbelievable. So you need to tune in for that one next week. Um, yep. It's absolutely fantastic. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in. Nicholas, pleasure as always, mate. As always, Mitch, it's been a blast. Like like you said, please give us a five-star rating. If the top score is five stars, if the top score is 10 stars, please do not give us a five-star rating. <laughs> <laughs> give us the best you can possibly give us. Give us a listen, follow us on Instagram, follow us on wherever you're getting your podcast, and we look forward to speaking to you next week. Bye. Cheers.